Proverbs 18. Unfriendly people care about only themselves. They lash out at common sense. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their opinions. Are you my mother? Doing wrong leads to disgrace, and scandalous behaviors brings contempt. Wise words are like deep waters. Wisdom flows from the wise like a bubbling brook. It is not right to acquit the guilty or deny justice to the innocent. Fools' words get them into constant quarrels, and they are asking for a beating. The mouth of fools are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. Hey, this is a, this Rumors is a are dainty time. morsels that sink deep into one's heart. No. No, a lazy person a, a is as bad as someone who destroys things. Well, I don't the care. name I don't care if it's of the, mayor the Lord himself. is a it's strong the fortress. The godly ruin run to him and are safe. Because crockpot pizza is always a bad idea. As a strong defense, they imagine it to be a high wall of safety. Look, we've had this conversation. Haughtiness yeah. goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. Because the crust gets soggy. Sprouting off before listening to the Nobody facts. Nobody wants a crust. It's both a soggy crust. And foolish. The human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear arugula. a crushed spirit? He doesn't. He doesn't like spinach. He likes arugula. Their ears are open for knowledge. And, Giving a gift can Some open doors. Onions. It gives access to important people. The first for speak in court sounds right until the cross-examination begins. If you put the pickled, no olives Flipping don't go with pickled onions. Totally different flavor profile. It settles profile. disputes between powerful opponents. An offended friend is harder to win back in a fortified city. Arguments separates friends like a gate locked with bars. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk can reap consequences. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure. He receives favor from the Lord. The poor plead for mercy. The rich answer with insults. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. So if I had the guts, we would just say thanks for coming and farewell. I think the sermon speaks for itself at this point, and we, know, we all know where we're going with this. We've been talking about self-care recently, and we've used the analogy of an airline. When you get on, they tell you to cover your own, your own face with your own mask for oxygen before you help the person next to you. And we've talked about the importance of self-care. We've talked about health, and we're going to talk about finances, and we've talked about friendships and that sort of thing. And uh, today we're going to kind of talk about getting your feet on the ground. The, what just happened in this room, for those, I, I'm not sure how much that translated online. For those watching online, it was pretty much chaos in here for a few minutes while the scripture reading was going on. Somebody else was reading, that bird is not my mother. Thank you, Quan. I answered a phone about crockpot pizza, which is always a bad idea. And then uh, Andrew was yelling hot coffee the whole time. <laughs> And I think if we're all honest, it felt a little bit like life. I mean, didn't, doesn't, doesn't life sometimes feel like that as people? And I'm, I'm, I'm never for a gimmick, like fog on the stage, that kind of thing. But this, this illustration I picked up from our youth mental health training seminar, they, they had two people read it one time, and you're supposed to get directions to the library, and it just did not work. Even, even Some of you probably tried to concentrate on the guy reading the Proverbs and just couldn't because you were concentrating on not concentrating. And... That sort of sums up life all the time. There's so much pulling at us all times. We live in a world now where 
It's all the people all the time. You, ha you have access to every acquaintance you've ever known at this point, probably in your pocket right now. You have access to all the news all the time, all the info all the time, all the events all the time, all the problems all the time. It's also coupled with all the joys all the time, but a lot of times it can feel like the joys are counterbalanced or even completely overwhelmed by all the problems, all the news, all the bad news, all the turmoil, all the complaints, and so forth. And so today's sermon is titled, Feet on the Ground. I feel like every now and then when you're feeling that way, you just got to do this. You got to take your shoes off and walk in some cool water. Walk in the dirt, get some dirt between your toes. And I mean that literally and figuratively. I think it's important that we stop and pause throughout our days. And so we've, we've talked about what is self-care, and self-care is not always buying the cashmere sweater that you've always wanted to buy or always getting the mani-pedi or the massage that you've always wanted. Those can be parts of self-care, but sometimes self-care is just stopping to breathe a little bit. And so it's feet on the ground. It's away from voices, noise, distractions, concern, and chaos. So I want to talk about that aspect of self-care. And in doing so, I want to talk about the Celts a little bit. The Celts are an interesting people group because they're really hard to define. When you look through history at the Celts, the Celts were kind of all of Europe pre-Roman Empire. So when the Roman Empire came, the Celts were kind of pushed to Wales, Scotland, and Ireland is kind of how history seems to have shaped out. And so when we talk about the Celts today, we're talking about Irish people, Scottish people, and Welsh people, basically. But what I've learned is that the Welsh people and the, the, the Scottish and Irish people, they have, they have a way about themselves when it comes to turning a phrase, pronouncing a blessing, praying for a prayer, toasting a friend. And if you want to get lost in an afternoon of kind of goodness and humor, just Google Irish blessings. Some of them are pretty funny. Some of them are fantastic. This one honestly made me tear up a few times this week because there's just something about it that feels like God. You've probably all heard it. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. A friend that would say this to me feels like a pretty good friend, doesn't it? I mean, it's just something. This is, this is lovely and beautiful. And they say things like this. May you, may you never forget what is worth remembering. Can anybody do an actual Scottish or Irish accent? Very nice. Good job, Jordan. But I mean, if, if you could do this, think about, think about the self-care involved. Think about how much this would affect your life. If you could just let go of some stuff that needs to be let go of and hold on to some stuff that needs to be held on to. This, this, this little pithy proverb or blessing, man, they, they can turn a phrase. I like this one. When I count my blessings, I count you twice. May God bless you. I heard an awe. This one's pretty good. May you live to be 100 years with one extra year to repent. Some of you need that blessing in your life. And I heard this Celtic prayer one time that has stuck with me ever since, and I use it every now and then when I need to center, when I need to get my feet on the ground, when I need to take my shoes off and put them in cool water, both figuratively and literally. And it goes like this. Sky above me, earth below me, Christ within me, love surrounds me. There's been many, many times in my life where things were like 
like, like, like what went on in this room during the reading of Proverbs. There was something here and something there and somebody yelling hot coffee in the background and somebody wanting my attention and I'm hungry and angry and tired and whatever the things are that weigh me down. And this, this prayer has allowed me to sit literally with my feet on the ground and experience something beautiful. Sky above me, earth below me, Christ within me, love surrounds me. It's worth memorizing and it's worth praying again and again. And it's kind of a feet on the ground prayer. It's, it's, it's exactly what I'm talking about is when the chaos hits, it's the kind of prayer that can just stop and realize there's air for me to breathe. There's earth for me to stand on. The force of gravity keeps my feet grounded. Christ has come to fill me. The, the anointed one, the, the one who shows what real love is, wants to live inside of me. Love is everywhere. It, it, it doesn't always mean that everything in the world makes sense. And we'll talk about that as we go along. But there's something centering about this prayer, and I encourage you to use it. And we're going to talk a little bit about this prayer today and using it for self-care and the principles inside and how it applies to self-care. And I want to talk with, start with nature and sky above me, earth below me. There's this book called Terraform by Propaganda, and I encourage you to read it. He is, in my opinion, a, an, an incredible wordsmith. And so it's, 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 one, it's funny, I listen to audiobooks on 1.5 times speed. So Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography was a hoot, I got to tell you. But this one, I, I found out that the way he uses words and the way he describes situations and the way he talks about politics and race and sexuality and religion and faith, and like I've got to slow this one down and listen to it. And one of the things he talks about on this earth below me idea is that if we had even the slightest idea, even the slightest hint of how grand this earth is and how, how essentially everything we are, everything we have, Everything we consume, everything that sustains us has been born from the earth. It's something to get lost in. These chairs that you sit on today, you, you probably, you probably, this is probably the first time you've thought about that chair. It's possible you, th you thought about it, but I, I'd say it's unlikely. Where did it come from? Where did, where did the fabric come from? The fabric came from animals somewhere, sheep somewhere, or plastic somewhere that came from different elements in, in the earth. The the metal on the, the chair legs was some kind of metallic, it was some processed metal. About 49% of the earth is ore. 49% of the earth is ore. And so when you look around the room and you see a light bulb, for example, the copper filament that came in that light bulb came from the earth. The glasses on John's face right now, the glass itself, you know what that is? It's melted sand. All of it, everything, the plastics, they all come from the earth. The food comes from the earth. The, the fabrics, again, come from sheep or plants. Not only that, but people processed the fabric. People processed the metal. People processed the copper filament. Those people went to schools, and those schools were sustained by the earth. The food sustained the earth. It's, it's, it's something that you could just put your feet on the ground, and, and you say, sky above me. The water, the water comes, it feeds the plants, it feeds the animals. You can get lost in this for days. And there's something very self-caring about stopping and getting grounded in that. Stopping and getting grounded in the source of your sustenance, the source of your life. And I think the giver of life. The psalm says this, it says, His line will continue forever and ever, and his throne endure before me like the sun. It will be established forever like the moon. 
the faithful witness in the sky. So it's a little unclear from the grammar here whether the faithful witness in the sky is the sun or the moon or both, but I'm going to stick with both. And I had this experience recently where this verse came to mind because it was during our nightlight service, and it was, I don't know, for those of you that weren't here, we had a power outage here at the church, and there were no lights, and there was no, there was no air conditioning. It was a hot day, and we tried to burn candles in here, and it just felt like a, like a gothic weirdness. This was sort of off, and so we decided to meet in the pavilion. We went out to the pavilion, and there were a lot of kids there and parents of kids, and Mike and Mayor Hawk led us in a devotional, and, there's this, and the sun was setting. The sun was setting behind the church, so it sets over there. And it was sitting behind the church, and there was a cool breeze. And I remember I was pacing in the parking lot. Like I, when I pray, I have to pace. I can't, man. I have a hard time sitting still when I pray. So I'm pacing in the parking lot, and I look up and I see the sun. And I, hear, <laughs> this sounds so cheesy, but it was such a moment for me. I hear the children laughing behind me, and I see the sunset, and I feel the breeze on my face, kind of like the Irish proverb that we were just talking about. And I remember thinking, how can I hold this moment? Like, like there was this, and I turned around and, and Sarah Strange was on one of the swings, swinging, and Mike and Mare were sitting off on a, a bench by themselves preparing to lead the devotional. And I just thought how much I love these people and I love the kids. And the kids are laughing without concern. They're not worried about what's going on in the world. And the sun is faithfully setting like it does every day that I tend to forget about. And it's going to rise in the morning. And, and there was just this overwhelming feeling of all is right. And it doesn't mean we can or in some sense, even should subsist in that place all the time. But you've probably experienced it too, where where something hits you, where everything is going to be okay, everything is all right. And I remember thinking, how? How do I hold on to it? And then I also remember thinking, I never will. I can't. It's always fleeting. I always have these moments, and I I have them fairly often. I I think when you practice a prayer like sky above me, earth below me, Christ within me, love surrounds me. I think, I think if you stop and you center yourself in a prayer like that, or that's a part of your common ritual, you're going to see these moments more often. And I, I think I do see them fairly often, but I notice that they always get bogged down by the dude screaming coffee in the background. They always get bogged down by the phone call about somebody that wants menu plans. They always get bogged down by the pain in my knee or whatever, whatever the thing is. It, it, seems like, it seems like I can't. It's, it's like sand pulling through my fingers. I can't, I can't hold on to it. And so what I want to encourage us to do today is to work towards more of it. Work towards more of those moments where God is, where you are. That's the, that's the beauty of that prayer, sky above me, earth below me. And I'm repeating it again and again, hoping that you, you'll catch it. Sky above me, earth below me, Christ within me, love surrounds me. The beauty of those moments is something worth working for. And taking, those, taking time to put your feet on the ground and pray a prayer like that or just to center and just to see, just to stop. Because I could, I could have been praying about the church. I could have been praying about my finances. I could have been praying about my kid. I could have been praying about my health. But instead, there was this moment where I looked up and there was the sun, the faithful witness in the sky, and there were the kids behind me. And it was a God moment. It was, it was every bit as godly as if, if I was praying the Lord's Prayer or reciting the Apostles' Creed, or whatever other ritual you want to talk about. Genesis says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. So I want to give you a few tips on how to grasp more of those moments. 
And, and, and honestly, it's just like the Sabbath. The Sabbath only makes sense after a week of rest. I'm, I'm sorry, after a week of work. Rest only makes sense after work. Those moments kind of only make sense if you can't possibly live in those moments all the time. There's something, there's a contrast there. But we can live in those moments more often. We can live in joy more often. We can live in peace and hope. And looking towards the future and, and, and God invading us and loving one another, we can, we can grasp them more and more often. And I think it's worth pursuing. So I want to give you some tips. And this doesn't make me an expert in it. It's, just a, it's as fleeting for me as it is for you. But I think it's an important part of self-care. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer that no matter how dire the circumstances, these kind of moments can occur. No matter how awful it gets, I believe God is still available. I believe joy and peace and hope. Scripture talks about it transcending human understanding. That the, that the kind of peace and the kind of hope that I'm talking about is, is beyond what you could orchestrate or, or strive for. And so I feel like I so often feel up here is I feel very inadequate to talk about this. But I'm going to talk about some tips that have helped me, and hopefully they'll help you. I have set an alarm at 4 p.m. every day. I don't have my phone on me, which I'm going to need in a second. Can somebody grab my phone back there and bring it to me, please? But you just say, hey, Siri, and she's going to listen to me, so everybody cover your phones. You say to, hey, that person, set an alarm for 4 p.m. every day. Thank you, Susan. Now what I try to do, and I try to pick a time of day where I'm generally not as occupied as others. If I had set it at certain times of day, there's no way I could, I could answer it. But what I'm trying to do now is 4 p.m. every day, whatever I'm doing, I stop it. And I put my feet on the ground, or I, I go for a walk or I watch my kids, or I turn towards the sun. Not looking into the blazing sun, that's stupid, and that will blind you, so don't do that. But, I, but I've got this 4 p.m. alarm set every single day where I'm trying to take a moment to say, here I am, sky above me, earth below me, Christ within me, love surrounds me. And I want to invite you to join me on that. Don't call me and tell me. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. I'm kidding. I, actually, sometimes I would love to hear it. But set a 4 p.m. alarm. Or, you know, one of the things I really admire about our Islamic neighbors is that five times a day, if you're in an Islamic country, like we were in Turkey, for example, there's the call to prayer from a big tower five times a day. People stop what they're doing and turn towards God. Literally, they, they believe turning towards God. They, they face east, face towards Mecca, get on their faces and pray. And these, these are the, typically the devout Muslims, not the, what they would describe as more secular Muslims. But there's something about something scheduled in. Any of you that have been in a romantic relationship know that sometimes you got to put it on your schedule. Whether it's physical intimacy or emotional intimacy or communication or whatever it is, sometimes you got to say, hey, let's pull out the calendars and let's get together. And there's something about doing that for God and for self and for self-care that you say, this is the moment where I stop. This is the moment where I let go. This is the moment where I put my feet on the ground and I observe and I listen, and I'm still, and I'm quiet. And so if you want to set five alarms a day or ten alarms a day or one alarm a day or no alarms a day, that's, that's your prerogative. But I, I found it very helpful. And even when I can't get away, there's this realization when that alarm goes off that, whoa, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in a little deep here. Like whatever the thing is, even if it's important, 
I've probably been doing important stuff all day. And so there's this, it's like a little electric shock that says, slow down there, champ. Take a moment. So set an alarm. I also encourage you to go for a five-minute walk. In, in, the, in the 90s, there was a record label called Five Minute Walk Records. And it was a Christian label. And had, they put out some pretty good bands. But what they talked about is the meaning of their label was the power of just stepping away for five minutes and going out in nature, stepping outside, feeling the, the, the breeze on your face, hearing the gravel underneath your feet. But there's something really powerful about that and turning towards God and saying, here I am. And as we'll talk about in just a moment, that, that seems to be the place scripturally where, where God tends to show up is in moments where people are, well, you'll, you'll see as we're talking about it in a moment. But take a five-minute walk. Learn from Mork from Ork. It's funny, a friend of mine was just talking yesterday about Robin Williams and his comedy, and I'd already built this into my slide, into my sermon, but Mork from Ork was a show in the 70s, and so obviously I know very little about it. But at one point, Mork was quoted saying, even just saying Mork feels really, it's like the word moist. It's just, don't say that word. It just kind of, I don't know what, the character Mork, Mork, Nanu Nanu, was this it? I don't know. One of those is Star Trek. He says, I don't know how much value I have in this universe, but I do know I made a few people happier than they would have been without me. And as long as I know that, I'm as rich as I ever need to be. So when you're in the process of going for a walk, when you're in the process of setting your alarm, when you're in the process of putting feet on the ground and saying, sky above me, earth below me, Christ within me, love surrounds me, take the moment to think about others, that maybe they have that chaos pulling on them. They've got the person screaming in the, in the back of their head about the coffee. They've got the person answering the phone. They've got the person reading the children's books, or they're reading the children's books themselves. Or they're trying, trying, trying to be spiritual or listen to scripture or or focus, or memorize, or grow, or be educated, or whatever, and there's 18,000 things pulling them in all kinds of different directions, which basically means think about everybody you know, and do something. Like on a daily basis, think of something that you can do for somebody else. Just everyday kindness. And it's really easy to get lost in the grind, the work, the obsession, it's really easy to get lost in all kinds of things, whether, whether it's your physical body or your financial situation or your relationship status or your work life. It's, it's just so, so easy for all of it to pound you all the time and for that to become life. And that wasn't the life you were intended to live. You were intended to love, live a life of loving God and loving others. And that's what the, this exercise is good at, is getting you to stop and put your feet on the ground and say, here I am, God. Now, where do you want me to go? Who comes to mind? Who could use some encouragement? Whose birthday is coming up? Who's having a hard time at work? Who's suffering physically? What can I do? Whose yard needs to be mowed? Who has an addiction issue that could use an intervention? So every day as you, as you do this, don't, don't ever allow it to become like this self-consuming mysticism where I am becoming a super spiritual person because I am in touch with the earth. That's, a, that's an important part of this thing, but it's, it, it's supposed to move you past it. It's supposed to move you into the heart of God and Christ within me 
And when Christ is within you, guess what Christ is real excited about? He's real excited about people. He's real excited about his sons and daughters, his children. And so allow there to be a moment where you think about others. Listen to Louie. I've already ruined the song, What a Wonderful World, for you. I won't do it again. But it has this brilliant lyric in it where he talks about the bright blessed day and the dark sacred night. And I don't know if you can see it in this picture. It's, you're going to have days where it's rainy and cold and windy outside, and you're going to have days where it's warm and glowing and comfortable and sunny. And I would say learn to practice this kind of thing in all those days. And, and I mean this both figur- figuratively and literally. There's days where life seems warm. There's days where life seems sunny, where you can see more clearly. And there's days when life just feels cold and lonely and wet and awful. And this practice is helpful in both. It's helpful to center. If you would, turn to Ecclesiastes 3 with me. For those of you unfamiliar, you just Google Ecclesiastes 3 and it's spelled on the screen for you. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 8. says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. Thank you for not yelling coffee during this. I know you're probably tempted at this point, but thanks. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. We've talked in here about Aristotelian virtue ethics and how angry is too angry, that there's a golden mean in between, that if you're not angry at all, something's wrong. If you're always angry, something's wrong, that there's some sweet spot in between. I think Solomon nails it here in Ecclesiastes 3. There's a time for war and a time for peace. If you're never willing to fight for anything, something is off. If you're always looking for a fight, something is off. There's a sweet spot in between. And in my opinion, it's it's... It's similar in this, in this, in this search, in these, this search for those moments where the sun is shining warm, and the kids are laughing, and a friend is swinging on a swing, and everything feels all is right with the world. If you are only satisfied during those moments, if that's if that's the the whole thing, something is off. If it's always chaos and negativity and bitterness, unforgiveness, whatever it is, something's off. You're you're seeking this sky above me, earth below me, Christ within me, love surrounds me at all times and all places. And circumstances are a separate category. You live outside the category. You live outside the circumstances. I think it's a pretty common teaching of Scripture is that Contentment is found whenever, however. And so it's, it's something you can practice 
like the Irish blessing says, whether the sun shines warm upon your face or the rains fall soft upon your fields because there's goodness found in all of it. There's goodness found in all, everything. There, there's, there's the work of God available everywhere at all times. The third part of this little Irish prayer is Christ within me. If you would turn to Mark chapter four with me, please. Starting in verse 35. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down. And he was, it was completely calm. We've mentioned in here many times that the works of Jesus, the, the miracles of Jesus ascribed to him, they have both a literal connotation and a figurative connotation. They, they say something about the physical world, but they also say something about the spiritual world. So when he opens blind eyes, he's literally opening blind eyes where they can see, but he's showing the power that he has within the human soul, that he can allow people who don't see clearly or who have dirt in their eyes or whatever. He, he restores spiritual vision, figurative vision. When he feeds the hungry, he's not just feeding the hungry, he's feeding the hungry, the, those that are spiritually hungry, those that are desirous of truth, those that are desirous of God. What does it say about this? What, what does this miracle say? The calming of the storm, the storm, the chaos comes, a, a furious squall comes, and he's taking a nap. And he gets up and he says, what? That's right, peace, be still. What does that say to your heart and your mind when the guy's yelling coffee, the call comes in, the person's reading the book, the scripture's being said, but you're having a hard time focused, like God seems far away the world's pulling in all different directions. A baby's a, a diaper needs changed. A baby kept you awake all night. You're not sure if your job's going to last. It was a company came in and bought out your company, and so you don't know if you're going to last. And there's all this stuff coming at you all the time, and that that just means you're human. You're existing. Figuratively, what this means is that Jesus can come in and say, "Peace, be still." You can have. I'm a believer that in those moments, you can still have those other moments where the sun is shining warm on your face, the children are laughing behind you, and so forth. And it takes a turning. What he can do in nature, he can do in you. There's this passage in Philippians 2 that says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. The word nerd in me wants to go through and work on all these words. Salvation, what does that mean in the Greek? What did, what did the Greek writer mean here? And fear and trembling and so forth. But I want to focus on the last part of this passage. The, the first part, in my opinion, it says, if you want everything to be right with the world, get lost in something much, much bigger than you. That's, that's the HLH translation. 
There's a lot, of, there's a lot more depth to, the, to it than that. But I don't want to focus there. I want to focus on it. it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Because I, I, I want to make it clear that I'm not saying that the, the practice of meditation or the practice of putting your feet on the ground or the practice of recognizing the skies above you is the whole story. What you're, what you're doing in these moments is putting yourself in a posture for God to do something in you. And it's a, it's a subtle difference, but it's an important difference. There's so many, there's so many stories in Scripture where, where God's people or the, the, the people ordained by God or the people who wrote Scripture or the people who are part of the narrative are kind of doing nothing when God shows up. What was Moses doing when he encountered the burning bush? Herding sheep or something. Yeah. I think, I think I heard Jordan say wandering. He's just, he's out in the wilderness when this thing occurred and it changed history. It changed everything. There's a story where Jacob lays down. And if, if you go to a, a castle in Ireland, they have what's called Jacob's Stone. Now, is this literally Jacob's Stone or not? Probably not. It's probably a money grab is my guess. But he laid his head on a stone and fell asleep, and then he has this dream that's history-shaping. All, all he does is go to sleep. Peter, in the book of Acts, there's all this friction between the Gentiles and the Jews. There's this racial turmoil going on. And it says he's, he's, he's waiting for his friends to cook a meal, so he goes up to the third floor, the fourth floor, the second floor of the building, and waits. And it says he falls into a trance, and he has this dream where God basically speaks to him and talks about, don't call people unclean. Basically says, Pete, you've had this one wrong. And there's, there's, there's lots of stories like this. There's, there's Solomon, I'm sorry, Samuel. Samuel is asleep one night and he hears a voice say, Samuel, say his name. And he sits up and he says, here I am. And I'm, God has a sense of humor. I don't know why God didn't do this like at four in the afternoon. It would have been a lot more convenient. But Samuel responds to God out of his sleep. There's, there's lots of stories of the fishermen are catching fish when Jesus shows up. The crowd has come to listen when Jesus feeds them. So I want to say all this to say, don't feel the brunt of this burden to make your connection with God the thing. God desires this. God wants to do it, and it's God who does it. Our our job in this whole thing is one of posturing. It's one of putting ourselves in position. It's not of striving and working and saying, God, I will, I will fix my life. I, I will. I want to be close to you, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what's right, and I'm going to make right choices, and I'm going to go to church every time the doors are open, and I'm going to sing louder when the, the person's singing at church, and I'm going to memorize a bunch of verses because I want to be right with you. There's something really unhealthy about that mentality. There's not anything unhealthy about some of those things. There's, unhealthy, there's, there's something unhealthy about thinking that's the solution. It's not the solution. The solution is one of posturing of Christ within me, of allowing Christ to come in and shape and mold you and change your desires and change your passions and change how you walk around in the world and what you see while you're walking. It's all about Christ within me. I have a couple brief final thoughts, and then I want to release you with an Irish blessing. 
Love surrounds me. I was talking with a friend recently about the Holocaust and how can God ever get off the hook for the Holocaust, like the atrocities that were committed there. How, how could God be? And one thing that came up in that conversation was, oh gosh, boy, we could spend eight hours on this topic, so I want to be careful here. But one of the things that came up in that conversation was like the balance of good and evil that occurs in the world and, and uh, the question of does every hug of every child that ever occurred to the child's parents, like if you, if you, if you put everything on a balance, what outweighs what? And I, and I say that to say in every situation there, there's probably something awful going on. In, in every moment of your life, there's probably... I think if you went around the room right now and said, hey, Jamie, how you, how you doing? Jamie might have a lot of great stuff to say, but I'll bet she'd have a, a list of stuff that she'd like to see different too. And I think if you went around the room and, and said it to every single person here, these guys just got back from vacation, so they're all good. But in general, if you went around the room, there's a list, there's a long list. All you gotta do is walk around in life a little bit and say, how you doing to people, and you're gonna hear it. There's always some ugly going on. There's always some beauty to counterbalance that ugly, and I don't know when God is off the hook, but I do know that I believe Scripture teaches that our focus, like the things we dwell on, the things we let consume us, is on the pretty side, is on the beauty side. There's this passage in Philippians that says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I heard this song for the first time. Apple Music actually got it right for once. They don't know me. I, I feel so lonely when I do their recommended playlist. Like, like Siri is getting back at me for all the times I was hateful towards her. But they got it right this time, and I found this song by, called, by Watch House called Wondrous Love, and it goes like this. Sometimes when the sky is crystal clear and the nighttime finds herself at rest, Free from city lights and noise pollution, I think of all the things that I love best. Got no time for TV or the news. Got no time to think of who done what. It's just me and the universe surrounding a heart so free and full of wondrous love. And then and they say the words wondrous love. I, I normally don't like a song that repeats the lyrics over and over, but this song says wondrous love over and over, and I'm like, yes, wondrous love, it's so good. And then it closes with this, with this thought. It says, someday the stars will align. And everybody watching will turn to one another and be kind. And I'm convinced if we're going to be followers of Jesus in the world and represent him well, and we're going to love others well, that part of it is this centering process of stopping, slowing down, setting the alarm, going for the walk, thinking of the person that we're going to see that day or thinking of the person that I know is struggling and doing something about it. There's something about this whole process of sky above me, earth below me, Christ within me, love surrounds me. I want to release you with a Irish blessing. As you slide down the banisters of life, may the splinters never point the wrong way. And may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand.